0: Welcome to The Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. Today, the sun is shining, and we are on our way to the rural area in the canton of Bern. More precisely, to Jägensdorf. Most of the time, we record our interviews in offices and co-working spaces. Today, we are settling in a residential area, the home of Tanja Lau. Tanja has given up her corporate job to start her own business with the Product Academy, where she organizes workshops to teach people about product management. As a mother of two young children, she works mostly from home. We wanted to know from Tanya how she has mastered this change from corporate job to being self-employed, how she organizes her days and what is really important to her in life. An exciting Q&A session about career, family and flexibility. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Tanya, a very well welcome to the Swiss Printer Show. It's great to have you here today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> you were working as a head of product at Syroop. And that is a very demanding job itself. And I just wanted to know how was your work-life balance before you actually became a mom?
1: So I've been working um, in several startups and and scale-ups. Specifically, that project that you mentioned at Syrup, in the beginning, in the early days, we had our developers um, in an agency, in an external agency based in Berlin. So I was um, heading back and forth between Zurich and Berlin. I spent three days a week there to build up the product team there. And so, yeah, you can imagine me going on early flights at six in the morning, coming back. And so basically, the lines between my personal life and my professional life were pretty blurred. So the team of us that we went to Berlin and back and forth, we were spending so much time together um, in our free time, but also in our professional time, that you couldn't even tell which one was which. (laughs) And so we went running in Berlin and we went out at night, but we also worked together on the plane and um, in the agency there. Mm -hmm. And so I think, Yeah, um, that was very specific to this specific um, time um, and project that um, the lines were so blurred, Mm -hmm. but this also helped me so much. And it was okay for me at that time because I didn't have a family back then. And I was just, um, yeah, getting to know Switzerland and settling down here or deciding whether I wanted to settle down in Switzerland. And Mm -hmm. so syrup became part of my family, like my work family, but also some people are still part of my extended family today. And I think that was so... I'm so grateful for that and it's one of the main reasons I think that I ended up here in the long run because I felt at home with them. Yeah.
0: So it was a very important entry ticket, sort of.
1: Definitely, yeah. But
0: at the same time, also a very intense time. And I think yeah. at a certain point in time, mm-hmm. uh, you almost even missed your own wedding, you told me in the, in the briefing call. Can you tell us what yeah. happened there?
1: Well, I did miss uh, the second half of my wedding, actually. Um, and I still owe my husband a wedding night, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> because, um, yeah, back then I had um, I had, had my daughter um, a year before. While I was mm. still at zero. I was still head of product. And so I talked with my former boss about coming back after three months. And um, it was all theory, right? So I decided, okay, let's let's start with like 70% part-time and come back and then see how it goes. Mm-hmm. But you don't know anything about being a mom before you actually are a mom, right? right. And so um, I didn't know how well my child would be sleeping, um, whether I wanted to breastfeed in the long run or not, and all these kind of things. And so I ended up with a kid um, that didn't sleep. <laughs> barely at all at night right so the first years and um, i woke up every two hours at least and um, to breastfeed her at night and so i didn't sleep basically for the mm. whole time um, and so i think there were so many factors that i underestimated um yeah, about being sleep deprived, about this whole intensity of being needed so much at home, about figuring out whether I wanted to leave my three-month-old kid at daycare or not, and then commuting between Bern and Zurich, because I had moved to Bern um, with my family, mm-hmm. and so I was commuting, getting up in the morning, getting the kid ready for daycare, uh, rushing to the train, coming back late, and, and so it was very intense. And then on top of that, planning the wedding, and um, and and also the, all the emotional stress. It was not so much the hours that I worked, okay. because my employer was very flexible about home office and combining different aspects and being nice. yeah flexible for, um, for me and my family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the emotional pressure at Zero was always very high. Um, like the media tension was high, but also we were growing so fast. We had new people in the office every every day, basically, and so you were you couldn't let go. You had to be like. Um, really laser focused all the time and there was a lot of tension around that and then imagine you don't get any sleep or like barely get any sleep you're commuting and that was too much like also planning the wedding i was so stressed out but i didn't even realize it so i lost a lot of weight during that year and i didn't realize that and i didn't have so many people here because i was still new to switzerland um, who could have noticed i think my friends back home in, in munich they would have noticed but here i mean everything was so new and i didn't have the support system in place And so um, at the wedding itself, I kind of collapsed at the the halftime, basically. And I missed the dinner. I missed the whole night. I had to leave the venue, basically. And it was a very intense experience for me and my husband, obviously, but also for everybody involved because it happened in public. So there was no way of denying it. I had Mm. to accept the the fact that I had kind of burned out myself, although I don't know if it was officially a burnout or not, it was never diagnosed, but in the end I decided, okay, I have to change something. Mm. And this was the moment in my life where I decided, um, I still want to work, it makes me happy, but I need to recalibrate and find something where I find enough energy at home And at work and can combine this in a more flexible way that um, adapts to my life. That is not kind of a continuous stream of energy. Some nights are good. Some nights are bad. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Sometimes the kids are sick. So I felt like in the traditional workplace, for me, it was really hard to find um, a part-time job that Mm -hmm. was challenging enough for me. But at the same time, flexible enough to take into account that I have now two toddlers at home. And uh, yeah, it was really hard to find that. So I sat down with my husband and figured out, okay, how much time do we want to spend working? How much time do we want to spend at home? How much time do we want to give our kids to external daycare? Do we want to do this at all? And so in the end, um, I decided I want to work 40%. And yeah, when you start looking for challenging jobs... With a 40% workload, it's really hard. I can
0: imagine, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So if I can uh, sort of summarize that in a, in a certain way, what changed for you was the, the, sh- the mere focus of what's really important to you, mm-hmm. right? First, in the beginning, before you had kids, your job was super important to you yeah. and you were incredibly invested in yeah. the job. But then something changed and you realized, mm-hmm. hey, there's actually more and you cannot continue like that. Yeah. So how did that focus shift and, and how did yeah. you actually find out what's important to you? Yeah.
1: yeah. So one I already mentioned that is that my body really told me I need yeah. to stop. This is not sustainable for me, and it's mm-hmm. also not something something I don't want to do in the long run, right? Um, but. On the other hand side, I also realized that I was not so much in line anymore with the values of um, how we ran the company and um, with my own values. I kind of lost um, kind of touch with who I am partly, and um, this shocked me in a way. So I spent some time directly after the wedding. Um, we went on our honeymoon, and then um, I spent some time also doing an online um, kind of an online mentoring program, a remote mm-hmm. mentoring program, where I kind of spend a lot of time thinking about what's important to me, what are my values, what makes me happy, where do I see myself? And this takes time. And it's really hard to do that while you're running really fast, right? Mm-hmm. Imagine you're running a sprint. There's mm-hmm. no much time to think about these kind of questions, right?
0: Otherwise, you get super slow, Ex- right? Exactly.
1: And so I needed to slow down. So I took mm-hmm. some time off. I really um, forced myself to slow down. And um, that's when the energy came back. And that's when, when I really kind of started digging into my soul and what I really wanted to do and I didn't know after like even after six or seven months I still didn't know what I wanted to do but Mm -hmm. I got to the point where I was comfortable admitting that I didn't know Mm -hmm. and that was the starting point for me to kind of really be open to all the possibilities and really question the traditional models of how much we should be working and whether I can start a startup with a newborn or not right
0: Can you walk us through some of the exercises that you did there? Because I can imagine that other parents, also other people in general, you know, face the same challenges or questions about... Yeah. What is really important to me? What yeah. should I do with my time? Yeah. What has particularly helped you? What kind of exercises? Yeah.
1: So, well, there's a, a book that's not part of the mentoring program, but a mm-hmm. book that I really loved reading, which is um, Find Your Why by Simon Sinek. I'm not sure how to pronounce him, but yeah, I'm sure many people know him already. He has mm-hmm. great videos and he has a whole book that is um, f- filled with exercises that you can do and um, kind of uh, an exercise on how to um, conduct a dialogue with people who are close to you to kind of dig deeper into what's really important to you, what drives you ultimately, what's your real why. And I think that's the basis to really find out what what is it that you stand for with your Mm -hmm. personality and with your soul, basically. That's one thing that I can recommend doing. It's a really nice book. And then um, in this program, we had different um, exercises, but one that I remember quite vividly was the one um, in German, it's called Schaukelstuhl-Übung. So I don't know the, the word in English right now, but basically it's imagining you're sitting on a porch and you're like 80 years old and you're looking back at your life and you're kind of imagining okay what were the the moments that are still stuck in your head the good ones the bad ones how did you get here and what happened and and then kind of walking back and and um, adjusting the focus like a lens even more and more and more zooming out of your life and then Mm -hmm. zooming closer and closer so in order to get where you want to be when you're 70 years old or 80 years old what do you have to do 10 years from now I don't know, two years from now, six months from now. And so I, I realized, okay, I really want to have a second child, but my body is in no condition to have one right now because I'm right. so burned out. So what do you have to do to, be, to become pregnant again? And this just kind of shifted my whole focus of what's important to me and um, zooming out and zooming in again, helped me really um, take the right decisions for myself.
0: And then you realized you cannot continue working with that like sort
1: of workload right Right. yeah and it's not just the workload the thing is like i I still sometimes work a whole night i pull an all-nighter because i'm really excited about what i do or i have a (laughs) lot of work sometimes but Mm -hmm. but i decide when i want to do it and i know that i have some islands built into my system where i can kind of relax again and so that's important i think and i for myself the main the main thing that i found out is my energy is not a constant flow Maybe for other people, that's the case, I don't know. But for me, it's not. And I found out I need a system that kind of um, supports me being super active and slowing down again, and especially slowing down. And I I cannot commit to a workload of, I don't know, 70% or 90% the whole time because that's not who I am and um, how I work.
0: And you also mentioned the Simon Sinek, uh, the why. So how would you answer that question? What is your why that drives you? My own
1: why, yeah. I think my why is to really uncover my potential and um, to really try to live up to as much of it as possible and um, to shape my world with curiosity and uh, and courage and I'm trying to do the same for others. To help them also um, be be uh, courageous and to really um, open up to what they wanna do and to question what's possible. Mm-hmm. Because I've been told you cannot do that so many times in my life. Like you cannot found a startup with a newborn. You cannot I don't know um, squeeze your masters in into a couple of months and do something else at the same time. But I found out I can, and I don't wanna I don't want other people answering the question what I can do and what I cannot do.
0: <laughs> is that something that is especially motivating for you? If somebody tells you you can't do that, to then just prove them
1: wrong, or just annoys me so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's just annoying, especially if it's my parents. But now I mean they don't do this anymore. But yeah, um back then I kind of felt like you don't know me. I know what I can do. But I have to admit, I sometimes go. um I kind of cross the lines of what's healthy for me, mm-hmm. and this has happened in the past, as we have seen with the wedding. So I needed to kind of. Um, empower myself, but at the same time step up to this responsibility and own it that I'm responsible for my happiness and for my life Not my husband, not my parents, not anybody else and once I I did that kind of really um, Accepting the whole um, responsibility and own, owning my own life mm-hmm. I was also able to um, dive into all the freedom that comes with it, but you cannot have one without the other I think Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah you, also, you were also talking about the preparation of actually becoming a mom. Mm-hmm. So was there anything, you know, in particular that you did that prepared you to become a mom before you had, had a child?
1: <laughs> well, I had, while I was pregnant, I had all these nice apps where you can look like what size your baby has and, and all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And I, I had a plan like right up to the day of giving birth. That's kind of where I felt prepared, but I had mm-hmm. no clue what was coming <laughs> afterwards. And I really remember the day when I came home from the hospital with mm-hmm. Maya, like three three days old, and I came home and I realized, holy shit, there is no button here that I can press yes. where the nurse comes, like in the hospital where you can like press and yeah. somebody comes and takes the baby. So what do I do when I have to go to the restroom? Where do I put her? Yeah. I really didn't have any clue, any clue at all. And yeah, but then you learn. It's the steepest learning curve you have in your life, I think. The one that you have as a baby and the one that you have as new new parents.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. So sometimes I guess you would also like look or need some help from someone else. In in what kind of areas are you looking for help and from whom, basically?
1: Mm -hmm. That was one of the important lessons I learned when I kind of broke down at my wedding that mm-hmm. I didn't ask for enough support because I have always been very self-sufficient in my life and been proud of not needing so much help, right? And so suddenly you 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 feel that like you really need it. And we don't have our parents here. We're mm-hmm. expats, although my husband is um, half Swiss, but his family lives in, in, uh, in Germany. He has some relatives here that we use as, as support sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to start looking for the people whom... Who I would give my children to? Because it's not just of something. Course. It's not like, can you pick up my parcel at the post yes. office? It's my kids, right? <laughs> yes. So I don't, I cannot just use the next best person. Yeah. And now we're lucky enough that our direct neighbors here at home, they um, have stepped up to be kind of um, proxy parents sometimes to That's our awesome. kids. That's amazing. And um, my parents um, and his parents, they come visit us, but then they come for a whole week and. I don't want to go into what it means to have your parents here for a whole week. That has upsides <laughs> and downsides, right? You cannot just call them for coffee and for two hours. They're here for the sure. whole week then, basically. Yeah. And all but all Yeah, thing but thing. it's awesome. I love it. And it's just a little intense sometimes. So um, the advantage of having parents nearby is that you can really just call them when you need them and send them away when you don't need them anymore. This is the luxury. I don't have so much, but I still love when they're here. <laughs>
0: And how do you find the, the actual setup? So like how many days during the week are you actually looking for some external help that yeah. you can also, you know, focus on your business yeah. that you're building?
1: Ah oh, that was a really important question for us. Also, how much how many days do we wanna give our kids mm-hmm. to a daycare? Yeah. Because for example in Germany it's um it's it's common usage that you have um, your kids for the whole first year. You get paid for the whole first right. year as parental leave. So my friends were absolutely shocked that after three months here, the paternity and maternity leave basically ends and then you have to um, to yeah, figure out what you want to do.
0: And Is that so- something that you think should change in Switzerland?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think there are um, upsides and downsides. So I really enjoyed that I had the freedom of um, working starting to work early in, in my um, new role as mother, right mm-hmm. so, for, because I found out that I cannot be with the kids twenty four seven this is again not who I am. I really I need some other energy source to to give back some more energy into my family, and this comes from outside sometimes. I cannot be with them all the time it 's not, not possible for me. Mm-hmm. so I really found out okay, I need two days that 's what I need to um, kind of recharge my batteries for my family. And um, at the same time, we thought we really want them to to um, have Swiss friends, to learn Swiss German. It's really important, we're here abroad and we want them to, for them, it's their home. So they should be here and, and getting to know their own peers. And so that's why we decided two days a week is what we want to do. And then my husband has um, one day a week um, or one day every two weeks at the moment, and um, where he and that's his daddy day, and then mm-hmm. sometimes we have the neighbors or somebody else watching the kids. But basically, I'm optimizing for 40% workload, roughly.
0: <laughs> and was that decision mainly driven, you know, by the availability of your family? Mm-hmm. That he said, okay, this is how much my family needs mm-hmm. me, so I have 40% left, mm-hmm. so I, I work 40%. Mm-hmm. Or was it the other way around? Mm-hmm. That he said, as mentioned yeah. before briefly, at least two days. That's what you need to have an additional energy source. Yeah. So you wanted to get these two days and the rest you wanted to spend with the family.
1: It's multiple factors. It's definitely what you just said. It's, it was me saying, okay, this is how much I need. Because mm-hmm. um, I think one day a week would not be enough to do what I do at work right, right. now. So I need two days. That's kind of the minimum I need. Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, we found out that at daycare also, they were recommending to send the kids two days because that way they kind of settle in easier than if mm-hmm. they just come one, once a week, right? So that, that was a second um, uh, reason. and. Um, yeah and i think if my parents were here i think i would have some additional time but i would spend that on myself rather that's the part that i'm missing or at, uh, on us as a couple but that, that's the part that is sometimes maybe not um in our focus enough probably sure. but i wouldn't spend it on work i think
0: and you you were you're working 40 percent uh, as you mentioned before that's like super difficult to actually find jobs in that area that are challenging and demanding mm-hmm. but also where you can actually progress and build a career mm-hmm. so how do you go about that decision?
1: <laughs> well, as I told you at the beginning, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just didn't I just knew I didn't want to continue what I did before. So I started looking into part-time jobs, but I found that the only ones available were like 60% and very few 60% jobs, usually not the ones that I will I was looking for. So I I knew I had and I wanted to start something for myself, but it was not just because of the kids. I've always wanted to have my own company. Um, I have co-founded a couple of startups in the past and um, I found out that one of my superpowers is that I'm i'm really fast when i can work by myself Mm -hmm. and i I know sometimes it's a disadvantage that that i have to be or i can be more team oriented That's something that i need to work on sometimes but if you reverse it if i'm on my own i'm lightning fast sometimes and that's the reason why i can scale my business in 40 percent because i'm in the middle of the night when matteo was just six weeks old i was um I was registering my brand, Product Academy, in the middle of the night at four o'clock because I was breastfeeding, I was awake, and I just found out, okay, this is I'm going to do some research on the brand. You so, Mateo is sort of your co-founder. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is something you cannot do if you have to wait for too many people. Right. So, I can work whenever I want because I don't have to wait for anybody else. Of course, I, I'm working with a lot of freelancers and I, I'm doing a lot of meetings on the day daytime basically but when i when it comes down to the really crucial decisions about my company it's just me and that's nice at the moment
0: so but also working only uh 40 could sort of kill your corporate career so was that also a decision that was important to you despite wanting to have your own company
1: i think i'm just not so much interested in having a corporate career at this moment in time so it's not something that i really thought as off as a downside. Mm -hmm. Um, In the past, I think that's one of the main things that changed for me in the last couple of years. When I was younger, I was really, um, one of my main goals was to become a manager. I -hmm. thought I really need to lead people because that's when you have Shown that you ha- you have it and you, you you are able to to run a company and you and I was defining myself so much um, in terms of how many people I lead and being in a leadership position and it's really kind of embarrassing that I have to admit that but it's true. <laughs> That's
0: and- also when you are always strive for more and more, right? So you basically yeah. also never stop.
1: Exactly, and then I found out that I don't want to um, lead a team right now. I want to work with people at eye level at the moment. And so I have a crew, but those people are not my direct reports. They are my freelance trainers. And yes. so I'm, at, I'm at eye level with them. And I found out that I don't need to, to have directs to just feel better about myself. I think this is what changed for me a lot. And, um, and that's why I'm not scared of running my company on my own because I don't need the status of having employees. I don't want it. I don't even yeah. want the responsibility because it would limit me so much in terms of um, scaling my business. So now, for example, when um, Matteo was settling into his new daycare, where we moved yeah. houses and um, they told me, yeah, it's going to be roughly three weeks to get him settled in but it turned out to be like 10 weeks because he was at a crucial point in his development where he was like so afraid of strangers and he didn't want to eat there and so i basically um i canceled all the meetings for a whole month because i found out okay this uh, he needs me right now sure. and i couldn't do that if i had a team of i don't know how many people i couldn't yeah. and that's what i love about my job right now so the
0: the huge advantage of flexibility mm-hmm. is a, a big big plus point basically yeah yeah
1: with great power comes great responsibility. So you also have to um, have a decision framework that helps you take these decisions, right? Um, And that's where where I say, for me, it's family first. That helps me a lot.
0: Yeah, which also shows, like, if your kids need you, you are there and cancel the meetings that you have, right? And you might still catch up work when they sleep, for example, but
1: they come first. But I think this is the the biggest accomplishment for me is really not to... um, Yeah, the biggest accomplishment is everything I have said no to. Not the things that I have done, but the things that I didn't, that I didn't do, saying no to the possibility of doing a TED Talk. I would love to do that one day, but I found out, okay, right now I don't have the capacity to, the resources to invest and make this really my talk. So I, I'm saying no to that. I'm saying no to a lot of conferences. I'm saying to no to mentoring certain people that I would love to mentor, but I can't. I'm saying no to brainstorming sessions about cool startups. I would love to do that, but I can't at the moment. So I'm really, every no that I say makes me kind of stronger and more, more focused on what I really care about. And there will be other times that I can say yes to certain things, but at the moment saying, no, this is something I learned in product management. It's something that you have to do to be focused and you can learn to do it more and more gracefully. I think that's the deal. <laughs>
0: right. So to what do you say yes to at the moment as a, as a mom, basically?
1: As a mom, well, yes to my kids, yes to family <laughs> life, um, of course, with all its agility. And, and I'm saying yes to listening to them. I'm, this is one of the big topics in the last couple of months. Um, I found out that I'm not the best listener. I, I knew that already, but I'm working on it a lot. So to tr- yeah. truly, truly listen, like to truly listen what they want to tell me. And um, to, I'm trying to do the same in my work life now, but um, it's a skill that is um, often forgotten, especially amongst managers, because um, we're talking so much. That we forget to truly listen and I think that's something that you can really train with your kids and, and in your daily life even if you don't have kids there are so many opportunities every day to become a better listener and I think this is key to listen to yourself but also to the people around you to really let them transform your life. You have to be really open to be a good listener.
0: And how do you listen well?
1: How do you listen? You have to be um, really open to the possibility that your world might change. To not um, to question all the assumptions that you might have had before. So I'm trying to be very um, um, kind of mindful of the assumptions that I have to really state them openly and to let them be questioned also. um, And to be, do you have to be in the moment? And that's where something is really difficult. Um I'm doing a lot of meditation these days to try to get better at this because my mind runs free when I'm with the kids. Sometimes I'm thinking about what to pack for the next workshop and then I'm not there. And kids right. are super good at sensing that and they will show you in their own ways. They will show you you're not here. You didn't how, look. How do they
0: show that, for example? Well,
1: Maya is old enough to tell me, she said, like when she's on the on the slide, for example, she says, Mommy, look at me. And and then I said, Yes, yes, and she said, You didn't look. Why? Because she knows. Oh, yes. I didn't look in that oh. moment. She's right, and I have to apologize for for that. And Matteo um, just shows me by um, being cranky and I don't know, <laughs> being like clinging to me physically, and yeah. that um, he needs my attention. And uh, and so that's a good good way to check: am I here? And in the beginning, when I started my business and my own company, I was I was um, trying to combine both. So I was on the playground checking my emails, and I found out oh the front page is broken so I was trying to fix the front page on my mobile on WordPress it's the worst thing you can do and, and at the same time kind of pushing my kid on, the, on uh, um, yeah on the playground so um, this didn't work so I really had this had to find out how to separate the two things and to be with my kids when I'm with the kids and to be at work when I'm at work and um, I'm getting better at it I'm not perfect but I'm getting better and I think it makes me happier in both parts of my life
0: I guess you still have your mobile phone with you when you're with the kids sometimes Mm -hmm. how do you deal with you know incoming messages emails and so on did you like deactivate all the push messages I did that
1: recently it's something new um, that I'm trying out actually my phone broke a couple Mm -hmm. of uh, weeks ago and um, that way um, it it kind of switched off all the time and so I found out hey this is so liberating suddenly my phone was off because it didn't (laughs) have any battery left at 70% of battery actually and so I found out this is amazing I cannot even if I wanted to I cannot even um, respond right now. And I, I realized how often I take out my, my phone and check the messages. I just realized that. And so I started switching off the notifications and um, I'm, I still have my work emails on my phone. And there are certain times every couple of hours, um, I'm still checking them, but I'm getting better at also finding out, is this something that really needs my attention right now? Is this even something that I can change right now? If not, it has to wait. Yeah. And
0: I guess that's most likely the answer. Right? yeah.
1: It's not Most urgent, so wait,
0: yeah. I don't take care of it right exactly,
1: now. Exactly, exactly. So the only call that I'm always going to take is the one from the daycare. <laughs> because First. if they call, that's why I have it. Um, uh, yeah, well, good. when the kids are with me, then daycare won't call. But um, when I'm working, that's the only reason I always have my phone with me. Sure, yeah.
0: that makes sense. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like running and setting up your company and also working as home, as you do, mm-hmm. has an advantage of sort of deleting commuting from your timetable, yes. right? Is that a big advantage for you or is that something that you actually also even miss a bit?
1: So um, when I was commuting to Zurich, when I was at Zurich, and the commute was one hour Mm -hmm. and that's that you can do a lot in one hour and it was also helping me frame my day because I had this one hour before I got into the office and the Mm -hmm. minute I set foot into the office I was kind of in a million meetings and I didn't have any time to get actual work done. So I needed the time to prepare the day and I also like the time to kind of wrap up the day at the end when Mm -hmm. I came home. So I like commuting actually. but right now I don't miss it so much. Um, I love working from home. I'm doing this interview in my Birkenstocks. How, how amazing is that? Right. <laughs> so, um, I, I can work like the minute I get up basically. And that, that's really cool. And, um, but sometimes, um, I really have the feeling I need to get out of the house in the weekends because I have work here, I have the whole chores of my household here and so sometimes I need to go out of this house because it's also my office. So you need to really find out how to separate um, your roles as a mother and wife from the one as a business person. And so that's why I have my office in the top floor because I kind of leave the mess here (laughs) and just go upstairs and and I'm just working. And at the beginning I was trying to clean up the first hour of my workday because everything was a mess. And I found out, no, this is not gonna work because my husband at the office, he's not cleaning up in the first hour of his workday, right? So I just um, learned to let everything be the way it was at this moment and just went, went upstairs and worked. Yeah, but it's a learning process. <laughs>
0: but it seems to make sense that you clearly different, differentiate the different areas yeah. of work and family life mm-hmm. um, that you also like have this clear distinguishment.
1: Yeah, it helps.
0: <laughs> you also talked about your husband. Yeah. Um, so what is the role of your husband? What does he play in order to you know make the whole thing work and also yeah. supporting you as a mom?
1: Yeah, wow, he's my rock. <laughs> he's the person that calms me down when everything's on fire and when I'm really... Um, kind of um, also losing um, the view, the objective view of what is happening in my life. Because Mm -hmm. if you're working by yourself, you don't have so many sparing partners. And sometimes I use him to kind of bounce off ideas or when I'm freaking out about not getting enough applications and he's there to support me, obviously. Um, And he's generally more um, oriented towards stability and I'm more oriented towards change. I'm always trying out new things and and new recipes, new everything. And he would love to have the same cake for the rest of his life. So kind of there's a a certain tension between us, but we managed to um, use that for for good basically to to help uh, leverage out each other's um, strength and also each other's weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But sometimes there's a lot of discussion around as well. (laughs) I can
0: imagine, but that can also lead to good uh, decisions, I guess. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think we talk a lot about what we want for our family. And the Mm -hmm. thing that I value most is that everything is up for debate all the time. So just because we agreed that currently I'm working 40% and he's working 90% these days, that does not mean it has to stay like this. So just recently, we decided next year, we want to do a sabbatical because we really feel like, okay, moving houses and and having two little kids, this was draining our energy so much. We need to recharge and this is not something we can do on a one week family vacation. So we sure. need more time and we want to do this next year. And so this is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Um, and he's a traditional job, so he has to work this out with his employer. It's not so easy for him, but he's willing to make this happen. And I think this brings a lot of freedom to our life. And mm. um, you know, when you agree to something, um, it's easier to agree because you know, it's not forever. You can always re-question it basically.
0: So stay flexible in yeah, that yeah. regard. So I call
1: this kind of um, elastic stability. That's kind of the state of mind that I like to be in so I like stability in the terms of having a husband having a family this is amazing I don't want to sure. like um, having to have to build my life all the time again but um, I also don't want to feel boxed in mm-hmm. and um, now we're getting more bourgeois with the house and the kids and everything and a part of me is rebelling a lot against this so I want to um, still be able to see the world and still be able to do a lot of other things and so I think as long as we can um, be able to find the state of a less Stability where we are able to question certain things and to find escapes whenever we feel boxed in, then I'm good. good.
0: (laughs) Is there any certain, like, you know, success or like the the model that you set up, Mm -hmm. the success model, how you work together, how you split up the responsibilities? How did you find that? How how did you come to that conclusion, and what could other people learn? Mm on how to get to such a success model for themselves, learning from your setup, basically?
1: Well, first of all, I wouldn't call us a success model because I think we're still learning so much every day and we're failing a lot. So sometimes um, we're arguing like every other couple uh, about who is doing the dishes and whatever. Like, it's it's normal, right? So I think um, we're not that success model. That is something that everybody would want to copy. Um, Of course not. But I think um, a couple of things that I learned is that um, My husband always wanted to support me also with the household and everything and he came home from work asking me, okay, what do I have to do at home? Mm -hmm. And I hated this because I don't want to be put in the role where I have to be the manager of the house telling other people what they have to do. I don't want this. So what we did is we came up with um, a project management software called Asana, maybe Mm -hmm. you know it. And this is where we kind of um, uh, put all the chores in with um, automatic frequency so they pop up like. Cleaning the fridge or whatever <laughs> unglorious household chores you have. Um, and this that way the app kind of tells us when everything is due and he just has to look into the app, and this is what he does, and he loves like checking the boxes when he has done something, <laughs> and the other person gets a notification, telling you like, okay, yes. cool, the other person did clean, the game whatever. The Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and so um, this is something, like, kind of a gamification, yeah, really, mm-hmm. and it helped a lot, but it's just a tiny thing, and, but I think it's the tiny things, if you sum them up, that make the life better. It's not like the right. success model that consists in one big decision that you've taken, it's all the little decisions that you take all the time.
0: Yeah. I think that's a very good hack. Are there any other hacks or tools that you would recommend others to check out?
1: Oh, I have to think about that. Um, Well, generally speaking, I think um, learning um, or improving your conflict uh, competence skills is Mm. really important. Because I think most of us, especially at home, um, we are, if you imagine a scale of um, personal attack as being the the worst thing that can happen and artificial harmony. Um, like staying away from conflict, I think most of us has, have a tendency to stay more in the area of artificial um, harmony. Also in teams, this happens a lot. And I think um, realizing that conflict per se is not something bad. It's not mm-hmm. something that should be threatening your relationship if done right. Um, yes. that is something that um, makes it so much easier to deal with all the little things that annoy you mm-hmm. before the tension piles up. And I think so. I've been um, taking co- courses in conflict confidence. We also have some of them at the academy because I think it's so important to get comfortable with conflict. And and so yeah, that's that's another advice and negotiation skills as well. That's something I'm really passionate about, especially for women. I think learning how to negotiate and that's a good thing. And mm-hmm. um, this can also be so useful for your personal life because it starts with knowing what you want. And that's because um, that's the reason many negotiations go south, because people don't know what they're actually asking for. Right. And so you need to start spending some time thinking about what you want and what you're willing to give up for it and what you're willing to trade. And then you can negotiate and then everything is negotiable.
0: Yeah. And where is that particularly important for women or even moms?
1: Well, I think some of them at least have a tendency to even stay away more um, from conflict than men do, maybe because um, some of us um, have a tendency to stay more in the harmony area or to stay away from conflict. But I don't want to to generalize because I have a lot of women in my network who are great at negotiations and fierce and and kind at the same time. So it's not something that we cannot do. It's just something that maybe is more embedded in the role of mother and caretaker and, and whatever. And there's so much mental load that sums up. If you, for example, not just taking care of the household, but um, thinking about all the appointments for the kids, about organizing the next birthday party, gifts for the friends, there's so much stuff that is just pure mental load and it's not visible. It's not even visible as like cleaning the fridge. It's a lot of stuff that's just in your head and making that visible and um, delegating some of it, um, that's something that feels really good. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: At the same time you know all these tools are linked to productivity but productivity is also very closely linked to sleep
1: Mm -hmm. do
0: you have any recommendation on how to get a good night's sleep as a mom of a newborn no but
1: i would love to get some because i have like (laughs) two kids at home who barely sleep and uh, no it's getting better but um, still yeah we've been sleeping so little in the last couple of years and this is the worst thing that can happen for your body so the only um, thing that i have that comes close to Good sleep is meditation, Mm -hmm. so this is something where I can recharge my batteries even in a 10 minute break and I learned to use that as a tool, but I really am looking forward to getting some more sleep. So yeah, I have to pass on that one. <laughs> Maybe
0: you can give us still like some numbers, you know, that people can get a realistic image about what it actually means to be a parent of a newborn. Yeah. So like, how how long do you actually sleep in, on a regular night?
1: Um, so in the beginning when Mateo was super little and also Maya, um, they woke up every one, one and a half hours. But there are some kids who sleep from the second day on, on the planet, right? So I mean, I just happen to have two kids who don't sleep that much, but um, nowadays it's getting better with the older one. She um, sleeps well if there's somebody with her. So we are Mm -hmm. still co-sleeping with our kids, sometimes even all the four of us in our bed. Um, Currently we have two beds with two, two mattresses so you can sleep with one kid each if it's necessary sure. but our kids like to be close to us and we like it too because looking at the whole life it's just a short time span where your kids would even want you in, in their bed yes. <laughs> so i think i'm still <laughs> enjoying this while i can um, but at the same time yes i'm waking up multiple times a night um also because i'm still breastfeeding, and and so yeah um it takes a while um, to go back to sleep and yeah i think i'm getting maybe four good hours of sleep a night And then a little bit on top of that, maybe depending, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And then when you actually do meditate throughout the day, do you do that just on your own with a timer or do you use any specific apps that guide you through that?
1: I have been using um, Headspace and um, these days also Seven Minds. Those are mm-hmm. the two apps that I know um, that I really like because there's some guidance around it and it helps me that there's a time frame and I don't have to be afraid of not waking up again basically. Right. But I also do some yoga and there's some meditation involved in that too. Um, I need some guidance from outside because I'm still not at the point where I can generate this internally so much, mm-hmm. but I would love to get to the point where I just sit down and meditate on my own.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also linked to productivity was a question that we received through Instagram, uh, where a user asked, when in the day managing family, are you most productive in your business? Is there like any certain time where you are around the family, but where you say, this is my most productive time?
1: Productive for the business? For the business, yes. So as I said, when I'm with my family, I'm trying not to be productive Mm -hmm. for my business. So um, I'm... I'm still um, trying to separate those things. So, of course, I check my emails sometimes when the kids happen to sleep at the same time. But this is like uh, happening very rarely. So it's like <laughs> um, like a jackpot when this happens, and um, and so. I use the evenings, of course. The evenings are kind of my spillover and I don't manage to get everything done during the week or the kids are sick and I'm missing like my two work days and the whole sure. week is gone, right? And, and then yeah. sometimes I need the evenings to, to do some additional work. Um, but I try to not do this so much because um, in the end, if you work until 11 o'clock in the evening, you don't sleep as much. And um, yeah. yeah, it's always kind of a trade-off that you have to, to take. Yeah.
0: And also, if you look out a bit uh, on the career map uh, in Switzerland, you realize that there are not that many women in leadership positions. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is the case?
1: Well, I think um, part of it starts with um, job ads usually being biased. Um, unconsciously biased um, and there's this great company Wittyworks and they're doing a great job um, offering even a tool to kind of de-bias your ads right. because there's um, a lot of studies showing that certain words repel women from um, applying to a certain job um, if they sense a lot of competition or a lot of hierarchy maybe there's certain yeah. patterns that kind of tend to, to make it less likely for women to apply so I think it's a good way to start looking at your ads <laughs> that's one thing yeah. if you don't get enough applications but it's also um, about the whole setup of um, how, how well can I combine family with, um, with my work, like what happens if the kids are sick, can I work at night, can I work from home, Can I, what other options are there, and it, it, there's a crucial role that often gets forgotten, and this is the, 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 the dad's. Um, so currently, if, um, when I had the kids, it was, there was one day of paternity leave. Like this, I was still in labor basically when this was over, and, and so um, you were left on your own. And how are you supposed to go back to work if there's no support system on the other side? And so, as long as it's hard for the men to reduce their workload, it will be hard for the women to step up. Because I think sometimes you need to to do both, right? So um, another person has to maybe decrease their workload for you to step up. And so I think it has to be more. It has to become more. Common for men to work less, and I think there's a lot, a whole lot of stigma around men having to be the primary caretaker, the primary right. person to bring home a lot of money, and and yeah, and for my husband and me, currently we found out this is maybe not the case because I'm making almost as much money as in 40 percent as he does in 90, and so why should he be working more? So maybe he's gonna reduce in a couple sure. of of years. I don't know.
0: And what would you think? Like, what would need to change in order to make that happen? Also from like an employer perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. So I think paternity leave in general is something um, that is really helpful because if you spend more time with the kids early on, you mm. bond a lot more with them and you are less afraid of taking care of them because I think a lot of that, at least my, my husband was too, um, afraid of, taking the kids by himself for a whole day because he had he didn't spend as much time with them so he didn't know the little ones so well at the beginning and spending more time with them and um, yeah proximity creates trust creates all the the good feelings about this so in germany um, you have these 14 months of parental leave and um, you can have two a month, for example, as a dad and combine mm-hmm. them with the twelve months of your women of your your um, sorry, your wife and you can then maybe go on vacation together or whatever, spend some time together and especially yes. the first month. It's crucial. You need help as a as a mother. Absolutely it's, Yeah. And so I think the dads play a key role in making this more equal. Yeah. Also at home. In any sense, yeah.
0: But our society and employers don't account for that at the moment, right? Or not enough.
1: Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe some do, some don't. But in general, um, what I've been seeing is also that um, a lot of our work system is still built around the concept of output. Mm. This is what people what is easy to track. It's much easier to track than outcomes. So um, people are are kind of. um, inclined to track how many hours you work or how many features you release or whatever it is that is measurable, but they're not measuring the outcomes so much. And if you start measuring outcomes and if you're even aware of what kind of outcomes you wanna achieve, which is a big part of a manager's job actually, which is usually not taken so much, uh, (laughs) taken on this kind of responsibility. Once you start switching to outcomes, then how much time you spend achieving them becomes less important. So I'm achieving a lot of outcomes that maybe others would be achieving in a whole work week, I do this in two days because I'm really focused. But Mm -hmm. so if somebody was um, judging me for not working full time, they were missing out on the same outcome that maybe somebody else would be producing in a whole week. So it doesn't matter how much time you spend working. It doesn't matter how much time you spend in the office. But I know that a lot of um, hierarchy is still um, constructed around this topic of outputs. People Mm -hmm. are sending late emails on purpose to show how late they've been working. (laughs) This is ridiculous. So I really wanna uh, move towards an outcome driven Approach, And I'm, I've been teaching and practicing this a lot in, in the product academy for product teams to step away from this feature-driven approach mm-hmm. more towards like, what do we want to accomplish? What kind of behavior change are we looking for? And it takes a completely different set of skills to set good goals. And it starts with the managers, of course, they can help a lot. But also with us and being aware of this difference between output and outcome and maybe have, making a good suggestion of what a good goal could be for me yeah. Um, to challenge the goals that we've been getting from our managers, it's also our responsibility. I think.
0: I think your your way that like the way that you do it, that's a, a wonderful story that could also serve sort of a, as a role model for other people to inspire and to have the courage to then take the step and, you know, starting their own company and basically living life on their own terms. and with Yeah, the if they, they want to. I
1: mean, it's something, it's a very personal decision. It's not, being an entrepreneur is not better than doing something no. else. There's a lot of hype about being an entrepreneur and I don't like that either because yeah. it's just another job, right? So, sure. But it seems um, to be fitting my strength very well and it, it makes me very happy. So that's why I do it, not to be cool and to be an entrepreneur. But I think you have to get into whatever job you're choosing for the right reasons and because it's, it's in line with your values and with who you are and not because you think it's the cool thing to do (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely and sort of the last area that i also want to address here is now you've been a mom for quite a while Mm -hmm. and are there any like surprising benefits that you saw by being a mom that you can also transfer to other areas of life for example
1: Mm -hmm. wow i've been thinking a lot about this question i'm actually even preparing a talk on this because i think there's so many parallels between raising kids Mm -hmm. and raising for example an organization it has a lot to do with rules and education and and values. It has a lot to do with saying no in a graceful way. Um, It also has a lot to do um, with setting priorities right all the time, but Mm -hmm. staying agile all the time because there's nothing as agile as kids. I mean, you can't wake up with a plan on what you want to do that day. But the kids wake up, and and it, and everything changes because they are just—they don't want to go to the zoo. They want to do something else, whatever it is. So you have to constantly adapt your plan, as we say. Like the plan is um, planning is everything, but the plan is nothing, right? And it's the same with the kids. And I think you can bring a lot of this um, empathy of this focus of listening skills values setting rules and knowing where you're headed and all of this you can take that back into your job because ultimately for me um, entrepreneurship product management and parenting all Mm -hmm. of that is about um taking great decisions it's about Mm -hmm. the art of decision making and what i want to achieve as a parent is that one day my kids and even today they can take smart decisions when i'm not in the room and it's yeah. the same that I'm trying to achieve for the product people I, lo- I work with and for everybody else. Like, um, I think it's about the art of decision making. What are you want? What do you want to achieve? And also, um, what is, what is the framework for your decisions? What are yeah. you trying to accomplish? What's your decision currency? That's what I call it. So for us at home, we decided, um, we want to maximize for happiness. We're not maximizing for ROI. Um, okay. We bought a house. Probably we pay too much. Way too much, probably, but this is not what we were looking for. So we were looking for increasing our happiness and that's the framework for our decisions. And so I I kind of urge everyone to think about what is the decision currency in your company, in your personal life, because that helps you take the right decisions for you. And that's the thing that is for me. It's very, um, it's an amazing art and I'm still um, learning a lot about it. And it's something that connects the dots between parenting, entrepreneurship and product management for me.
0: Wonderful. I think that's a wonderful (laughs) sentence to end the conversation. (laughs) Thank you so much for the insights, Tanya. It was a pleasure talking to you. And we wish you all the best for your family and of course also for the Product Academy.
1: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way, you not only support Swisspreneur, but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all-new episode of the Swisspreneur Show, so we hope to see you again then for a new episode.